Welcome to Music History Monday for February 15th, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is What a Day. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. February 15th is one of those crazy days during which so much happened in the world of music that we are de facto forced to wonder if there is some metaphysical explanation for why this date should be such a nexus of musical historical activity. In an attempt to answer that question, I have probed. Ouch! Here is some of what I have found. February 15th is the 46th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. As of today, 319 days remain until the end of the year, 320 days in leap years. It was on this day, in 506, that Khosrau II was crowned as the last great Sassanian king, or Shah, of Persia. Whoa! Was that a feather that just knocked me over? On this day in 706, the Byzantine Emperor Justinian II, 668-711, had his predecessors, the Emperors Leontios and Tiberios III, publicly executed in the Hippodrome of Constantinople, today's Istanbul. Now, lest we think that Justinian II was just a disrespectful whelp offing his predecessors on a whim, we'd observe that back in 695, the 27-year-old Justinian II had been deposed and, adding nasal insult to injury, had his nose cut off, thus his nickname, Justinian Rhinotmatos, meaning Justinian the Slit-Nosed. Tossed into exile, Justinian the Slit-Nosed replaced his proboscis with a solid gold prosthesis, raised an army, took Constantinople back, and made an example of those who had deposed him by not removing just their noses, but their entire heads. From having been deposed and denosed, Justinian's was, without any doubt, one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Can any other historical happenings explain the plethora of musical events that occurred on this date? Well, on February 15, 1764, the city of St. Louis was founded in what was then Spanish Louisiana and what is today the American state of Missouri. Hmm. On this date in 1898, the battleship USS Maine exploded and sank in Havana Harbor in Cuba. 274 sailors died in the explosion for which the United States declared war on Spain. On February 15, 1992, the serial killer and professed omnivore, the Milwaukee monster, Jeffrey Dahmer, was sentenced in Milwaukee to life in prison. As opposed to being sentenced to life in Milwaukee, which might rightfully be considered cruel and unusual. Unfortunately, 
prison proved a bad fit for Dahmer, who was beaten to death in the shower on November 28, 1994. Finally, on February 15, 2013, eight years ago today, a meteor exploded over the Chelyabinsk Oblast in southern Russia. Measuring about 66 feet in diameter and weighing more than the Eiffel Tower, the meteor was traveling at roughly 42,000 miles per hour when it exploded at an altitude of some 97,000 feet. The shock wave had the equivalent force of a one-half megaton nuclear bomb. And even at 97,000 feet, it made quite a mess on the ground, blowing out windows and damaging over 7,200 buildings across six cities. Accepting, perhaps, that last entry, the meteor, I can find no divine or metaphysical reason beyond mere coincidence for the spate of musical events that have occurred on this date, rather than choose one or two of them. I have chosen instead to snow you under with all of them, a celebration of the date. Here we go in almost chronological order. We mark the death on February 15, 1857, 164 years ago today, of the godfather of Russian opera and concert music, Mikhail Ivanovich Glinka. His impact on the development of Russian music is singular. Glinka and his opera, A Life for the Tsar, were the subjects of my Music History Monday post on December 9, 2019. Check it out. We mark the birth on February 15, 1905, 116 years ago today, of the American songwriter Harold Arlen in Buffalo, New York. Born Hyman, or Chaim Arluk, he died in New York City in 1986. Arlen was one of the principal contributors to the Great American Songbook, that body of popular American song created between roughly 1915 and 1955. The list of Arlen's greatest hits is a long one and includes such classics as Accentuate the Positive, 1944, lyrics by Johnny Mercer, Blues in the Night, 1941, lyrics by Johnny Mercer, I've Got the World on a String, 1932, Ted Kohler, It's Only a Paper Moon, 1933, Yip Harburg, Lydia the Tattooed Lady, 1939, Yip Harburg, and Stormy Weather, 1933, Ted Kohler. The list of Arlen's classics goes on and on. For now, I will not. But that's okay, because in honor of Arlen's birthday, I will feature Arlen's most famous song on my next From the Great American Songbook post, that song being Over the Rainbow. Staying with the Great American Songbook, we mark the first commercial recording by the Duke Ellington Orchestra on February 15, 1941, of Billy Strayhorn's classic, Take the A-Train, of 1939. The song instantly became Duke Ellington's signature tune. The title is a reference to the A subway line, also known as the 8th Avenue Express, 
that originates in Brooklyn and then traverses the length of Manhattan Island from its southernmost tip north to 207th Street. Ellington hired the 24-year-old Strayhorn, 1915 to 1967, in 1939 as an arranger and composer. Strayhorn, who was living in Pittsburgh at the time, traveled to New York City where Ellington lived and where his band was based. The Duke gave Strayhorn handwritten instructions on how to get to his house, instructions that began with the words, take the A train. Strayhorn took it, he wrote it, and so began a musical partnership that continued until his death 28 years later. On this day in 1965, John Lennon passed his driving test in the town of Weybridge, Surrey, 17 miles southeast of London. He was the last of the Beatles to get his driver's license and was, by every account, a terrible driver. To paraphrase the song, Johnny, you can't drive my car. Beep, 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 beep. We mark the death, also on this day in 1965, of the American singer and pianist Nathaniel Adams Coles known professionally as Nat King Cole, of lung cancer at the age of just 45. A first-rate jazz pianist and later a singer, Cole came by his stage name in 1939. He was asked to form a trio by a club owner, which Cole called the King Cole Swingsters, after the English nursery rhyme, Old King Cole. Nat King Cole was, in the racially changing years of his maturity, a man of firsts. In 1946, Cole's Trio hosted its own radio program called King Cole Trio Time. It was the first radio program to be sponsored by a black American performing artist. On November 5, 1956, the Nat King Cole Show debuted on NBC TV. It was the first network television show to be hosted by a black American. When a national sponsor failed to step up and the show went off the air in December 1957, Cole remarked, quote, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark, unquote. A racial pioneer and brilliant entertainer, Nat King Cole was A-list all the way. The honorary pallbearers at his funeral included Robert F. Kennedy, Count Basie, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Johnny Mathis, George Burns, Danny Thomas, Jimmy Durante, Frankie Lane, Steve Allen, and the governor of California, Pat Brown. Jack Benny delivered the eulogy. We mark the death on February 15, 1984, 37 years ago today, of the singer and actress Ethel Merman at the age of 76. Born Ethel Agnes Zimmerman in Astoria, Queens, New York City, she began her career on Broadway, where she introduced more standards than anyone before or since, including I Got Rhythm by George and Ira Gershwin, it's the lovely, I get a kick out of you, you're the top, 
and Anything Goes, all by Cole Porter, Everything's Coming Up Roses by Julie Stein and Stephen Sondheim, and There's No Business Like Show Business by Irving Berlin. Ethel Merman did not just have a voice. She had a siege cannon. She was a walking, talking brass band, and the walls of Jericho wouldn't have stood a chance against her. On February 15, 1991, 30 years ago today, Kelly Emberg, Rod Stewart's ex-girlfriend, filed a $25 million palimony suit against him in Los Angeles. The lovebirds had cohabitated for five years, between 1985 and 1990, during which time they had a daughter together. On reflecting on the suite, Stewart came up with one of the great lines, quote, Instead of getting married again, I'm going to find a woman I don't like and just give her a house, unquote. We mark the death on February 15, 1992, 29 years ago today, of the American composer and educator William Schumann in New York at the age of 81. My Dr. Bob Prescribes post of April 16, 2019 was dedicated to Schumann and his Symphony No. 3 of 1941. In that post, I declared that, quote, the composers Roy Harris, 1898 to 1979, and his student, William Schumann, 1910 to 1992, are generally considered to be the two greatest American composers of symphonies to have yet lived." Unquote. I have received no information during the intervening 21 months to make me change that assertion. Two last items out of chronological order. We acknowledge the birth on February 15, 1947, 74 years ago today, of the composer John Adams in Worcester, Massachusetts, hewing to my policy of, if I can't say anything nice, it's best to say nothing at all. I will merely observe that for reasons I have expressed at other times, I believe John Adams to be among the most overrated artists of our time. Finally, we mark the birth on February 15, 1949, of the American composer Christopher Chapman Rouse III in Baltimore, Maryland. Sadly, he died of cancer on September 21, 2019 in Towson, Maryland at the age of 70. I believe Christopher Rouse to be among the most underrated artists of our time. Be assured, he is not underrated by the musical establishment, which has deservedly lavished praise and reward on him for his music. A Pulitzer Prize, a Grammy Award, a Kennedy Center Friedheim Award, composer in residence stints with the Baltimore Symphony, the Tanglewood Festival, the Aspen Festival, and the New York Philharmonic. Commissions from everyone. Faculty positions at the University of Michigan, the Eastman School of Music, and Juilliard. Based on the quality and quantity of his music, in particular his orchestral music, which is thrilling, Rouse should be a household musical name. But alas, he is not.
For those who are curious about Rouse and his music, I would humbly steer you towards Lecture 23 of my Great Courses Teaching Company survey, The Great Music of the 20th Century, which explores four of Rouse's works. Gorgon for Orchestra, 1984, his Concerto for Trombone, 1992, The Infernal Machine, 1985, and Kuka Ilemoku for Percussion Quartet, 1978. Putting my posts where my mouth is, tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes will tackle Rouse's superb trombone concerto. When I am asked, as I am all the time, who are the Haydn's and Mozart's and Beethoven's of today? Christopher Rouse's name is among the first I bring up. That most folks have never heard of him is not his fault. He did his part. He wrote the music. Happy birthday, dear Maestro Rouse, and happy Chelyabinsk Meteor Day to all as well. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.